Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Hannah has, uh, she's at a point, she's getting ready um, to uh, buy her first car. I'm telling you what, I'm going to have a fleet out here before I'm done. But she's getting ready to buy her uh, her first car. So we went to the car dealership yesterday. We're standing out there looking at different cars, trying to find the one that fits her best. Now, we have had much discussion on what car fits Hannah best. And uh, we have had many laughs about what car fits Hannah best. Um, if I tell all of those laughs, I did not get permission for those. And I will be in trouble if she listens to this later. So uh, I'm not going to tell that. But I did ask her for permission on this. Yesterday, we're walking through the cars. And as we're walking through the cars, all of a sudden, she just spazzed out on me. I mean, she started wailing every which way. And then all of a sudden, she goes, ow! And I went, what in the world? I'm standing on the opposite side of the car. She's on the far side of the car from me. What in the world is wrong with you? And she turns and she says, I just got stung by a bee. You got stung by a bee? And she goes, I got stung by a bee. I said, maybe you ought to leave that area. There might be some other ones. You know, for the next 10 minutes, that thing on her neck where that bee got her, she's a little bit stung, a little bit heated, and it didn't feel very good. And she's there, and she's wanting to pick at it. And Heather's saying, keep your hands down. Keep your hands down. Heather got after her several times. Don't you touch that. Leave that alone. She says, Dad, can you see Stinger? I don't have my glasses. I can't see nothing that small without my glasses, that's for sure. Oh, or that close. And uh, you look, and you go, oh, man. So here we are. We're standing there. And she says, I don't trust Mom to grab it. And I said, just let Mom grab it. If there's stingers there, it's there. I looked down on the ground, and I said, oh, don't worry about it. It didn't leave the stinger in you anyways, because it's still in the bug. She managed to get the bug. He said, that's cruel. But you know what? For the next 30 minutes to an hour, what did she want to do? She wanted to reach up and get a hold of that thing, didn't she? She wanted to itch that thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not a fan of. I am not a fan. This is really a message we needed RJ here this morning. Because I am not a fan of something else that makes you itch. Poison ivy. Poison ivy. See, a, a poison ivy breakout is like having an uninvited guest show up for the weekend. Unwanted and often very irritating. Some of you aren't allergic to uh, poison ivy, so you don't get it unless you uh, roll up the sleeves on somebody else who is. And then you look and you go, oh, that's gross. That's terrible. But you realize that uh, for those of us that don't like the stuff, that are allergic to it, after weeding on a specific day, this was a few, well, quite a while ago, to be quite honest, I learned my lesson. I, uh, I had uh, developed a rather severe poison ivy breakout on my arms. I got tore up from weed eating one time, and I had that terror. I was tore up pretty grunt. I learned that, uh, uh, all right, uh, here we are. You got that. And what do you learn about that? Well, it's going to itch. It's going to itch. One thing about poison ivy is not only the fact that it's going to itch, and you can self-medicate, you can get some temporary relief, but that itch is going to come back like throwing a boomerang. It's going to come back like throwing a boomerang. I heard about a man who bought a new boomerang, and he killed himself trying to throw the old one away. So when you're battling poison ivy, all you can think about is eliminating the itch. And I found out that the worst thing you can do 
is what? To scratch it, right? You start scratching it, and that's the worst thing you can do. What's the main thing you want to do when itching? You want to scratch. So saying not to scratch it is like telling a child not to eat the cookies in the cookie jar. It's, it's, no, that's all he wants to do. That's all he want to do. When you have poison ivy, all you want to do is, is scratch it to get some, some uh, relief. Well, I remember I was getting dressed for church one morning, and uh, one Sunday morning, and in the process of getting ready for church on, on Sunday morning, I, I looked at my itchy, blistering arms, and I said, you know what, I have to wear long sleeves. No question, I, I know that I wear sleeves most Sundays, but uh, this one I knew I had to wear long sleeves. I said, I got this. I'm going to wear long sleeves when I come to church, and when I come to church, I, I'm going to make sure that I got it on there. I'm going to cover it up, and it might be, might be a little more summertime, but I really need to wear long sleeves to cover that up, and that's what I did. I didn't want anybody looking at me funny or making fun of me because I know some of you. But I know this. Longing for some relief, it dawned on me. And I wrote these words down. Dead people don't itch. Dead people don't itch. Now I got Brother Jeff's attention back there in the corner because he's going, what? Is the preacher going to preach this morning? Well, here we go. No one buried in the cemetery ever itches from poison ivy because dead people don't itch. So you know what I did next is I started thanking God for my poison ivy. Thank God for my poison ivy breakout. Even though it was itching like crazy, that itch was a reminder that I'm alive. That itch is a reminder. Well, I'm alive. And as I, 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 I come to church that day, I, I, you get a little bounce in your step now. I know I have a long way to get here, but I, the itching all the way. I, uh, I was <laughs> working on it. <laughs> and so we get here, long sleep, covering up my itch. Nobody in the room knew that I was sitting there and itching like crazy. I hadn't fessed up yet that I had gotten into the junk. And, uh, and no one could see it. No one knew the itch that was going through. And, and uh, to tell me to do something, I'm just itching miserable. And they're covering it up so that nobody would know. Besides, who wants to see the blistering red poison ivy breakout, right? It gets gross. Now, having said that, as you're looking in John chapter number 4, I want to introduce you to a woman whose life was filled with itches. A woman whose life is filled with itches was seeking some relief and trying to cover it up. You can put it down. Every itch screams for relief, and every, every itch seeks for relief. And the life mission of the woman we read in John chapter 4 was to experience its relief. You know why? Because live people itch. See, that tells me that, that this room, well, we've got lots of itches. We're full of itches. And we're doing the same thing I was doing when I came to church that day as well. We have a knack for trying to cover them up. Trying to cover up, and maybe because our shame, we're uh, we're ashamed, or we're embarrassed, or prideful, or we we might be trying to hide or to cover it up so nobody else sees it. And Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says, "He who covers up or conceals his sins will prosper, will not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes will have mercy." The 
one thing an itch longs for is relief. Relief. But do you know what's more frustrating than having an itch in, on your skin? It's having an itch that's in the soul. You talk about frustrating, having an itch in your soul with no relief to be found. And, and, and this woman was seeking some relief from her itching soul. And every effort left her itching and thirsting more. So let's read about it in John chapter number 4. Beginning in verse number 1, it says, And when, therefore, the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into, again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Scar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus, answer, answer, or Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, Thou hast said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talketh with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot 
went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. We're good at cover-up, aren't we? We're good at cover-up. Wow. The woman at the well. Not an unfamiliar passage for those who have been in church for a while, but uh, as we're walking through, it's like sitting in a meeting covering up your poison ivy uh, breakout. Out of the sight from others. We too try to cover up those things in life causing us to itch, all the while seeking a temporary relief. All the while seeking that temporary relief. Perhaps you have. We could go through and we could look at the different situations. Perhaps someone has an addiction that says, I need. Or a bitterness itch that says, I hurt. An envy itch that says, I want. Or like this woman at the well. Someone may have a a lust that says, I thirst. Uh, We say, I need when we itch. We say, I hurt when we itch. We say, I want when we itch. We say, I thirst when we itch. And do you know why we have all these itches in our life? Because live people itch. You look and you go, preacher, but dead people don't. Dead people don't itch. The Bible puts it this this way in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. (laughs) I had some fun with this. Itch, itch, itch. For all have itched, itch, itched. You look and you go, there it is, that itch, and, and fall short of the glory of God. What poison ivy is to your skin, sin is to the soul. Sin is to the soul. Now somebody says, Pastor, if you're telling me that live people itch, and as long as we live, we itch, we have no hope for, of permanent relief. Well, I'm going to have to go through life scratching like a dog has fleas. I see some of you going, oh, what if I told you that you don't have to itch and scratch your way through life? What if I told you there's an available permanent relief for those things in life causing you to itch? I'm interested in that in a heartbeat. I want that relief for every itch in my life. Absolutely sign me up. Not so fast there. You say, I'd sign up in a heartbeat. Well, absolutely. What if it cost you your heartbeat? What if it cost me my heartbeat? You mean in order for me to experience permanent relief from those things in my life, that causes me to itch and cannot get satisfaction that I have to die. That I have to die. Well, remember, look, dead people don't itch. So the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 11, consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Jesus Christ. Was it Romans chapter 7, verse number 6 says, but now we have released from the law since we have died to what held us so that we may serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the old letter of the law. Romans 6.2 says, How can we who died to sin still live in it? Verse 4, We were buried with him in baptism unto death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a newness of life. That's an itch-free life. That's an itch-free life. See, we we come along and you go, the Bible describes the itch-free life in Ephesians chapter 4 when he said, take off your former way of life, the old self, that's corruption, the deceitful desires, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity and of truth. May I tell you that only God can relieve the itch permanently. 
permanently. Coming from him through Jesus requires dying to self and sin and practicing Christ on the throne of our heart before we come, come alive in Christ. We must first become dead to self. To become alive in Christ, I've got to become dead to self. Now, I, I have to tell you, I, I used the illustration of itching because as I was studying, I said, oh, it's ingenious. Because when I itch from poison ivy, it doesn't go away today, does it? I can put the cream on it. I can go get all the shots I want. I can have the doctor do all their part. And you know what? It still itches. I can't run from it. I can't get it off of me. I can't. It has to run the course. It has to go the journey. Oh, and it's terrible. For those of you that experience it, it is one of those things where you just go, Ugh! I get the creepy crawlies when I start thinking about it. As I was writing, the, working the message out, I got the creepy crawlies, and I just got the itch of myself. And Heather goes, what's wrong with you? And I come out, in the, out from the office, and, and I'm just scratching myself. What's wrong with you? She said to me a second time. And I said, I got the itches. And then I told her, I said, this is what I'm preaching on Sunday. And she says, everybody in church is going to be scratching when they walk out. She said that, and I was being a smart aleck. I said, well, then I know that I've communicated well. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? Terrible. But you know what? In order for us, for the itches in our lives to be gone, we've got to die to self. We've got to die to self. Dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus. And in that order. There's a death that leads to life. The Samaritan woman we read uh, about in John chapter 4 experienced a death that day that forever relieved her itch. She walked away from that experience, from that well, satisfied. Remember, don't dead people don't itch. Now, before we leave, I want three basic, simple truths. Basic truths taken from the life of this Samaritan woman and, and, and our encounter, her encounter with Jesus and how it forever changed her life. Number one, Jesus loves us just like we are, just as we are. I, I reminded somebody of that this week as uh, we sat and talked. I said, Jesus loves us just as we are. He didn't tell us to clean up before we come to him. He didn't say, you know what, before you get saved, before you confess your sins, make sure that you get rid of these things in your life. Get rid of those itches before you come to me. No, that's not how he said it. He didn't make say, make sure your complexion is nice and clean from the, the, the ivy before you come. No, 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 no. He said, come just as you are. Come just as you are. See, before, as we look at it in verse number 4, what happened there? He says he had to travel through Samaria. Now, we know Jesus didn't travel uh, through Samaria in that day. and, and uh, Or let me back up. Jews didn't travel through Samaria in that day. And you know why? It was because the Samaritans were there. The last place you'd find a Jew was in Samaria because they were unclean people. They were half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Gentile. So they would have nothing to do with them. 
You talk about a radical divide. Right there was a divide. As I was thinking about this uh, portion of Scripture and, and looking at the Jews and the Samaritans, I, I look at our country today and I go, wow, we ought, to have, we ought to take some learning from this portion of Scripture. In fact, a Jew living in Jerusalem, traveling north to Galilee, they would literally travel around Samaria rather than going through it, simply to avoid Samaria. When Jesus said to her in verse 6, give me to drink, he was saying, I love you just like you are. It'll be a great day in our life when we realize that Jesus loves us just the way we are. Somebody says, Pastor, are you sure about that? I am. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible reminds me and tells me so. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse 8, when he says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He proved, he demonstrated that love for us. Jesus didn't say, Come to where I am, and I'll save you. That's not how he, he spoke to her. He didn't say, you come to where I am, but rather I'll come down to where you are so you can be saved. Aren't you thankful he left the glories of heaven that each one of us could be saved? Aren't you thankful that we can, can look and say, you, we don't have to get our act together so that we can be saved? You, you, you didn't have to, to get saved in, in order to, 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 we didn't have to do anything in order to be saved. He took care of it all. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, he says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. I love it. There's one, not any other. See, you, you cannot do anything so bad to cause God to love you less, and you cannot do anything so good to love you for him to love you anymore. I loved it. I had somebody this week, as I was sharing the gospel with them, uh, they looked at me and they said, uh, uh, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. And I remind them of just that. You cannot do anything so bad he's going to love you any less than he does right now. And you can't do anything so good. I actually looked at him and said, you know what? I might be the pastor and I can't do anything so good that he's going to love me any more than he does right now. It's not how bad or how good. And I'm so thankful that's a, a truth. He loves us just as we are, just where we are. He meets us where we are. In verse number 15, the scripture tells us there, in our text, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call thy husband, come to her, come hither, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. I've often wondered how she got to where she was in life. Her life had a trail of men, one heartbreak after another, seeking love, to be loved and not finding it. Talk about having an itch. I wonder what kind of home life she'd grown up in. I wonder what kind of, I wonder if her father loved her, her mother, or, and her, what about mom's love for dad, or dad's love for mom? Or what about mom and dad's love for God? I, I, well, I wonder, and I got a feeling that something was missing in her family home. Perhaps something was missing in, in, in that home that day, and you know what? 
It's an itch that needs to be filled. Something missing in our family home that's impacted our life. Perhaps it was love or unforgiveness, encouragement or parental support. Have you ever wondered how to get where you are? How did I get to, to where I am? Have you ever asked yourself, how did I get here? What? Well, I have some good news for you today. Jesus not only loves you like you are, but he meets you right where you are. He meets you in our guilt, in your guilt. He meets you in adultery. He'll meet a person in loneliness. He'll meet them in their anger. He'll meet them in their addiction. He meets you where you are so that he can make you into something new. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Jesus is the permanent itch, fix, fixer. He meets you where you are. I had the privilege a couple of weeks ago to go down to Jacob's house. Most of you probably don't know anything about Jacob's house. I didn't know anything about Jacob's house. So they called, had to go down, and uh, they're looking for authorization. Authorization, they, or not authorization, they're, they're getting um, certification for their addiction program. Faith-based addiction program that they've done. They're teamed up with Franklin County and, and uh, Franklin County sends over folks and uh, their recidivism rate uh, of going through their program right now is running just short of 50%. It's a remarkable number. You go, that doesn't sound very good, one out of two. But when you're dealing with addicts, that's awesome. Because the best in the country is 11%. That's amazing. These folks down there, they're, they're doing, they, they have some neat stuff. The, the gentleman that's, uh, uh, that really was the master mind, the one that God laid it on his heart, he stood outside in the driveway and he began to tell me, he said, four years ago I lost my son to drugs and alcohol. He passed away. I lost my son. I lost my son, Jacob. Mm. And he says, I want to share with you what God did. He says, we opened this place. But not only did we open this place, and it's a place of uh, addiction and recovery, and, and they have all of the, the methods, they have the counselors all in place and that. But he says, we realized that when folks come out of uh, that lifestyle, there was still something missing. And so God put it on our heart to open a home. To open a home. I stood there with him and I went, wow. Wow. Because they opened a home and now they have three. Uh, they opened a home and the home is literally for those folks that have gotten out of drugs and alcohol because he said this. He says, I actually learned. He says, I've only been saved about four years. And I didn't understand that when you get saved... Things in your life change. Things in your life change, and they change greatly. And he says, when you get saved and you're going through an addict plan, and you get an addict, and they come out of the pit, and he says, when they come out of the pit, Jesus reached in right where they were, saved them, and they pull them out of the pit. He says, but the draw and the lure of the devil is so great. It is so great that they go running right back in. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. He says, they'd go running right back in. And he says, so this is what we did. God put it on my heart to have a house. 
give them a place to live. Put them in there so that we can begin to teach and to work with them and they have to go to work and they have to do and they have a whole structure and a whole plan. And he says, it is so exciting to watch what's going on. He says, what was really interesting is, is we opened the house and, and we told the, the, uh, the judge about it and as we told the judge about it, one of the attorneys in the room says, I want to buy your second house for you. I want to buy a second one for you. He says, I have to be honest. He says, we're four years into this, and somebody else came along and bought our third house. He says, I'm extremely overwhelmed. And then he says, but here's what, what God's done. Here's what God's done. He says, try this one on. He says, you've got addicts. They have nowhere to go. What do they do? They go, and we have them going to work. We have them going to church. We have them going to, 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 to their, their meetings. And he says, so their life is busy. They don't have time to mess up. And this wonderful virus come along. He says, it's an amazing thing. He says, because what, what happened? So many of them, they got laid off. He says, not only did they get laid off, but all of those churches... He said, we, didn't, we're not interested in, we were not interested in starting a church. Not even close to interested in starting a church. He says, not, was on, not on the plan at all. But these folks, they, here we've got three houses of people. And they can't go anywhere to worship. And they need, he looked at me and he says, I've only been saved four years. My son died from alcohol and addiction dependence and overdose. And he says, and I'm afraid for my own self many days because I came out of it too. I was like, wow. And he says, and this virus hit. And he says, so we had the brilliant idea. We're going to have church. We're going to have church. We're going to have Bible study. He says, that's what it was. It was just a Bible study. And he said, we had a Bible study. Invited everybody to come. He said, kind of neat to watch everybody come because all three houses came. Some of the sponsors came. Some other folks came. And he says, we got a room. Our room was part of that inspection that I did. And he says, 100 people in that room. I said, you can't put 100 people in that room. And he says, we put 100 people in that room. And we've been doing it for the last six six weeks you've been meeting in that room with 100 people and he goes oh yeah and one of the churches their worship team has come over and now we actually can sing he says before we did it all acapella he said we were really old testament <laughs> I got tickled when he said it that way and he says oh and I said wow and he says but here try this one on we've got over 100 people meeting We've had over 50 people come to Jesus in those six weeks. He said, what God's doing, I don't understand. But he's opened up a door and opened up a ministry to walk through in the midst. And he says, so when you're meeting, we're meeting. And there are folks that have a need. You know, out of that, 
conversation with that man, I thought there's an itch that has to be scratched. He says to me, I'm not a pastor. And I looked at him and I said, I think God's made you a pastor, buddy. You have a job right now. And he goes, I didn't plan on preaching. And I said, but guess what you're doing? And I said, keep doing it. Keep on keeping on. Because he meets you where you are and he gives you what you need to do the job that God's called you to do. Sometimes we get confused in what God's called us to do and where he's planted us and where he's laid our feet down. But you know, he seeks us because we are his and he knows right where we are. Right where we are. I I, I, I just, I, I look at it and, you know, realize, do you know why Jesus traveled through that city in Samaria that day and he's headed right straight to Jacob's well you say well he's thirsty no it wasn't because he was thirsty from his journey he showed up because he knew there was going to be a woman there that had a greater thirst than his that only he could supply only he could meet the need you look in verses 13 through 15 and and he told her, very simple, everybody that drinks from this water, they get thirsty. But I've got a water. I, I'll, I'll give you a, a water that you'll never thirst again. As a matter of fact, it'll be a water springing up. I love that old song, it's a spring flow away within my soul. I'll give you a water that'll spring up within It'll feed a thirsty soul, and you'll never come to draw. You know, we're not an accident. Not an accident. There were probably days this woman felt that it had been better had she never been born. But the Bible tells us in, in Ephesians 1.4 that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy, blameless, and loved for him. He chose us. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. How about if we go to Jeremiah and he says, I chose you, I, I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you are born. How about Isaiah 41, when the Lord called me before I was born, he named me while I was in my mother's womb. Isaiah 44 and verse 24, when he said, this is what the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb, says... How about Psalm 139 and verse 13 when he tells us that we were created in, in the inward parts. He, he knew us. He knit me together in my mother's womb. God knew we were coming. He was expecting us. He was prepared for our arrival. Our birth did not catch God off guard, nor by surprise. Before we were born, God had already provided a permanent love solution for every itch, and his name is Jesus. We can come and say, Jesus is the permanent itch cream. See, because dead people don't itch. When I'm dead to stuff, he knows all about us. He knows every itch. He knows the worst things about us. He knows the best things about us. He still loves us. What Jesus did in the life of this woman at the well, he'll do in ours. You say, what exactly did he do in her life and can do in mine? Well, he rescued her life, didn't he? Most of us go, hallelujah, we're in church this morning, but he lifted her out of a life of unfulfilled needs. 
Let me say it another way. Jesus does more than just scratch the itch. He satisfies the itch. It's done. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come see that man. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen those guys' reaction to that. Because obviously she's had several husbands. She must have had some kind of reputation in town. Can you imagine? Come see a man who told me ever who I am. She told me all. Can you imagine those eyes going, whoop, 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 wait a minute. Not only that, he restores lives. He specializes in taking the broken pieces of lives and putting them back together. Not by glue, but by grace. And that's not all. He restores marriages. He restores friendships. He, he restored even a nation. He, he redirects lives. You realize the woman went from taking a new man to testifying to all the men. And as a result, we read in verse number 39 that many Samaritans from that town believed in him because what the woman said when she testified, what it is that she testified, many believed, the Bible tells us. Now her life had purpose. Her life now had peace. Jesus not only rescues lives, he restores and he reject, uh, re redirects them. John chapter 8 and verse number 24, Jesus said, Therefore I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You will either die in your sins and be lost forever, or we will die to our sins and be forever saved. Dead people don't itch. John tells us in John 3.30, he says, He must increase while I must decrease. You realize the more he increases, the less I itch. Take that analogy and you go, wait a minute, the more Jesus increases, the less I itch. The more I increase, the more I itch. The more I die, the less I itch. The less I die, the more I itch. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 11 says, so you too consider yourselves dead to sin. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Alive. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. We've seen hungering and thirsting to know it like the rest. The song poet wrote that, and I can't help but think of a gentleman by the name of Carl Dorton. I remember Carl when he came to the Seed of Mission years ago. My goodness, a long while ago, Carl came home with mess in this world. Carl came and invited the Lord into his heart to be his Lord and Savior. Took residence right there and at the at the mission for a number of years and and then as God saw fit he was able to move on and renew relationships with his family and renew relationships along the way. It is so much fun. I, I get tickled. Carl's one of those folks that when I was on staff in Florida, he he would just always had a word of encouragement. Always lift you up. Carl, over the last couple of years, has been fighting a battle with cancer. And I still find it amazing that Carl will send a note. And the note is, not woe is me, but my God's got this. 
and he's in control. And what the devil can do to me, <laughs> my Lord has better wings. What might happen in this body, that's meaningless. Because I have a home in glory that outlasts. You know, you and I, we can go back to that illustration of the poison ivy, and I can ask, what's the itch in our life that plagues us? That we need to bring before the Lord today and say, here, Lord Jesus, move me, change me, shape my life, shape my life. Let's let him speak to us. Lord, we need to bring before you. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. just want to give us an opportunity as he speaks in our hearts and lives to respond. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, your will and your way. Yes, Lord. I'll come. Yes, Lord. Speak to me. Whatever that is. Oh, there are plenty of them. What's the itch that's been itching in your life? That I need the Lord. Well, we say, Lord, if you don't do something, I'm at my wit's end. That's beyond me. I can't, I haven't found victory. And I'm not having that abundant life. Open. The altar's open. Will you come?